the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, CNN for CFP, Chad Burton. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Time goes pretty quickly. Time is on your side in investing. I wish I had started investing earlier. It's probably my biggest regret that I didn't start in the womb. I know, I know, I'm kidding. I wanted to create enough wealth so that I didn't have to work till the day I die. When I say time, let's look at it as you work from age 20 to 60. You may work a little bit more in front of that. You may work a little bit longer after that. Ideally, I would like to work until almost the day I die. I'm not one to have a lot of friends. I'm not, uh, if you can get me like two or three families to get to know, I'm good with that. So to me, work is a social thing after you create wealth. In your 20s, you want to create enough wealth to get an emergency fund going because life can be volatile. You might change jobs. You might move. Emergency funds important so you can get those transitions through. As you push towards 30, you might start thinking more family-oriented issues like buying a condo, no longer living with male roommates. I'm using a young 20-year-old male Rob Black as the example here. So as you move into your 30s, you're like, I'm going to get a condo. I'm going to get a townhouse. Starter home. For lack of a better word, in some markets, a townhouse and a condo is not a starter home, right? It's darn tootin' expensive. But you kind of build these steps along the way. And the nice thing about that is you could probably come up with a list of things financially that you, you, you need to run through. I would refer to a list as kind of, of a platter. If that makes sense. Um, what are the things that are important to you versus me? For me, it was get out of the house. I mean, maybe it was pay for college, get out of the house, get a job, get a career. Then it was get a starter home. Then it was get a serious girlfriend to turn into a fiance. Then it was get into two people under one roof, learn how to experience that. Then maybe it was make a baby um, and start, you know, adding the number of people that count on my income. All very good, all very normal things for me. You may have stuff that's important to you. I say that um, with a lot of respect. This isn't that hard to do. You could say retirement. We used to go with a number that I, I, I like the number 1 million because it makes a lot of sense to a lot of people. If you have a million dollars when you retire, you can probably count on in normal times about $40,000 a year of income. But with low interest rates, not so much. So maybe we're going to have to change that number. 
And then a million dollars of income creating $40,000 is 40,000 really going to keep up when the CPI, the consumer price index is up 7%, 8% some years. Typically, historically, inflation has been between 2 and 4%. And that's why that million dollar number can work as a starting point. Because in normal times, you take out 4%. 40,000 of income, you can create that with a million dollars. We're not in normal times. Keep that in mind. But that doesn't mean you can't start with a normal outline. But like I said, $40,000 in, in recent times, it, it means a lot less because CPI, the consumer price index, things that you spend money on, and that could be like healthcare, it could be food, it could be shelter, it could be vacations. Things that you spend money on are inflating in costs. For a lot of us, that's a shock. Because I consider myself still, I consider myself still a young man. And this was the first year that I've seen massive increases in things that I consume. Typically things that I consume like televisions and vacations. I can shop around and get deals. I can go in off season. Not right now. So again, that $40,000 of income that I want to live off in retirement, it's realistically not, not there anymore it would have to be a lot more because it's no longer just me and my social security. It's me, my spouse, our social security and our kids. Um, we decided to have children. And before we did, we had a conversation about how long would we support them and what does that mean to us? Now that doesn't mean you're set in stone. It means things can change. Um, but that 1 million number went to 2 million when I got married. And when I got kids, it went to 4 million. Probably the number to retire at safely in my mind now is about 6 million. I have more than enough to do that. I feel very comfortable. But what's interesting about that is I probably still won't retire. I started the segment by saying, you know, what does retirement mean to you? I want to keep working. It's going to be weird when I stop talking on media. And I probably won't. I'll probably do a form of this podcast for years to come. You can find it at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. I'll probably do it till the day I die some sort of weird legacy that I can leave for the listeners as well as my children. And on probably my last podcast, my children will come on and say, Rob died last night. My kids will speak in whispers. Okay. So that's not exactly what I wanted to say there, but how easy is this? Very easy. First thing you have to do is set priorities, kids, college, house, retirement, put a dollar amount next to those. It's not that hard to figure out. Then you have to make a budget. You need to save 15% of your salary. I probably save about 20, 22% of my salary. There's a good website, but there's better out there called Mint, M-I-N-T, which stands for moneyintelligence.com. It takes a bit of updating the first three months as it can't figure out all your categories. It's like, hey, who, what is this Venmo? Or it may say, you know, um, uh, B&B liquor isn't really your liquor store. It's also your kid's get a water, get a chips on the way to soccer kind of thing. So you have to categorize that as groceries. It takes a little bit of work, but I like it because I'm able to factor in everything and see where it goes. I recently downloaded the app Truebill, which is a bit of a pain at times. It's easy, but it's a bit of a pain. You link your accounts. It's super easy. If you have online banking accounts, it goes through and it goes, did you know you have a Paramount Plus and a Netflix and a Disney and an ESPN and a Hulu account. It looks for all your subscriptions. I like doing stuff like that. 
a budget is part of keeping track of things that I spend money on. I recently just canceled two meditation apps. Why I had two, I forgot to let, I forgot to cancel one. So I still had two that were in an active year status. So I canceled both of them because I started using the meditations from Apple's fitness app, where, you know, you have those fitness circles in your phone and your uh, watch. You can play with that a little bit and you can find some um, other workouts, things to listen to while you walk, things to listen to while you work out, things to listen to while you fall asleep. So number one is set your priorities. Number two is make a budget. Number three is have some sort of banking relationship, brokerage relationship, savings relationship. I keep all my cash with Flourish, F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H. It's an online bank, so it can take two or three days to get large chunks of money. That's where I keep it. Um, Life gets more and more expensive every year. In my book, I wrote that inflation is is the boogeyman. And I think you understand that soda, rents, vacation, cars, they all cost more. Two to 4% is the historical norm. Short term, we've seen a much higher spike in consumer prices. We'll talk about this and much, much more, how to get to retirement, how to get wealthy enough to retire. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find CFP Chad Burton, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. On the radio show right now, we're playing Boy With Uke. Sometimes this makes it into the podcast if I talk about it. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm always stunned by what comes out as talent. The kid wears a digital mask. And uh, he plays ukulele, not very well in his own words. And he writes these incredibly scathing little pieces of poems that he, he sings happy jingles to. But he's not very well, uh, how should I say, his love life isn't good. Hot young performer right now, starting to go on tour this summer, Boy with Uke. And I think what I like about it is the showmanship, where you don't get to see his face. I don't know why I like that, but it goes back to like Japanese kabuki theater. Anyhow, I'm talking a little bit about laying out a plan. And I have to set priorities first. I didn't really ever think about this until I was 18. And at eight, from basically 14 to 18, all I thought about was leaving my home, getting away from my father, becoming my own person. And that's when I started thinking kind of naively, college, and then job, career, some sort of cheap home to live in with roommates, practice uh, living. I always did this in a very entrepreneur kind of way. I'd rent a big house and then I'd sublet the rooms. Kind of taught me money management because you had to go like knock on the door to 20-year-old men. Hey, rent's due next tomorrow. Hey, rent's due, rent's due. I even had some young ladies. It was good for my social life too, because um, we had parties. So it was just kind of, you know, getting away from mom and dad. I have a list of things that I want to spend money on. I still have some furniture that I got to furnish my home with. I'm probably allocating somewhere between 30,000, 35,000 in the next year for that. Um, I have a whole room that I haven't furnished a whole room and it's a big room with lots of windows. Screaming TV and comfortable couch. 
uh, I don't know. I like having lists. I like writing things down. When you write things down, it makes more true. When I carved the initials of a young lady, Tracy Burns, into a tree when I was seven or eight years old, RB plus TB, um, I think I showed it to her, and I think she didn't really care. Like it, it didn't break my heart, but it wasn't great either. But if it had worked, she would have been like, yeah, me too. And then we would have run off together and left home as seven-year-old, eight-year-old children. So one of the things I keep getting back to is inflation's the boogeyman. Everything costs more. Historically, you get 10% from stocks, 6% from bonds, and 5% from real estate. Short-term stocks are the most volatile, but that's okay because you're young. Remember, when you're under 50, a stock market correction is not scary. It's a buying opportunity. Some jargons that you have to get really used to. 401ks, 403bs, 457. Um, that's so you can invest in the workplace. And one of the people that I work with in radio is leaving, sadly, taking another job, sadly. Uh, but he has a 401k that he's been using and contributing to for the last 14 months. What's he going to do with it? He needs to make a decision. He needs to get the password. He needs to think about it. Does he roll it over into his new one or does he roll it over into a self-directed IRA? individual right a retirement account i personally would roll it over into an individual retirement account um it's not that i don't like workplace 401ks because they can be great but they can also be kind of okay but they can be great so i'm not knocking them how you choose to invest in your 401k um today in this day and age there's a lot of options they're pretty cheap options too how you tend to pick your individual retirement account layout same thing. It's up to you to, to find the right way to do it. 401ks, 403bs, and 457s are the best way to get to retirement, in my opinion. Since I was 20, probably one or 22, I've been contributing on a regular basis to my 401ks. And it's sizable. So if I were single, I could totally retire off my 401k right now. And all it was was 5% of my income. Then I turned it to six or seven, then eight or nine, 10 or 11, 12, 13, 14. And I started maxing out at 15%. Probably took me a good six, seven, eight years to ramp all the way up and feel comfortable with my lifestyle. I've always, always had moments of time in my life where I, I hibernate financially speaking. I had a friend that just took his uh, seven-year-old to Disney for a Dis uh, birthday party. He said it was epic. On the final day, he went to Mickey's House of, or Pluto's House of Pancakes or something like that. And uh, he looked at the bill and he was just, he was stunned. And he looked at the restaurant, and it was packed. And there was a line outside. And uh, he's a financial type, financial planner type. Um, and he's, he told his wife, I, like, we could barely afford this. We could afford it, but we could barely afford it. Uh, it kind of dawned on him that this was a on the higher end of holiday budgeting that he had expected. Most people should not, in my opinion. Oh, let's talk about 401ks real quick. There's six ways of looking at assets in my mind in a 401k. There's large cap growth. There's large cap value. There's mid cap growth. There's mid cap value. There's small cap growth and small cap value. If you look at that as a tic-tac-toe board, and put growth in one column and value in the other. In the middle, you would put growth and value. 
also known as growth and income. Um, and you get the large on the top and you get the uh, medium cap on the middle and you get the small cap on the bottom. So there's nine choices. You could do that with one diversified fund or you could do it with three diversified funds, like a, a large cap diversified, a mid cap diversified, a small cap diversified. You could do it with a growth fund, a value fund, a growth and income fund. You can fill those nine boxes pretty easily. I also want you to add like maybe a real estate investment trust fund or high quality corporate bonds. Um, I've owned no bonds my whole life. Um, I have no interest in owning bonds. I prefer REITs. Maybe when I hit 60 and I shower like this, oh, let's get in the UFO and go to planet retirement. Maybe when I sound like that, I'll have some bonds. As far as individual stocks, probably the one thing that I want most of you to do is not to do it until you have $100,000 in that style box that I was talking about, large cap, mid cap, small cap, growth and value. And then if you want, buy something that's been around since you were 10 years old. Um, Apple computer has been around since I was a child. So it passes that test. Do I still think their, their company can grow like they used to? No, I do not. Um, they're too big. And they have a premium for what they're doing currently. They have to unlock value if they want to get bigger. And then maybe with a car or augmented reality glasses, which it's rumored that um, Tim Cook just showed the board of directors and coming up at the World uh, Web Developers Conference that they're going to announce in the next month, the augmented reality headset with the software developers kit for developers. Could that be a catalyst? Ooh, there's a word that we just brought up, a catalyst. Let's keep talking about this whole mapping to retirement, to wealth, shtick when we come back. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. You can also find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. Request a time to meet with a financial planner. You can find him at chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. When it makes sense for me to comment, I will. When there's a shooting, we always look at uh, some of the investment ideas that are tied towards guns and gun control. There's nothing I could say that makes for any sense here. Smith Wesson is a publicly traded company, as is Storm Ruger. And at times of headline news, these stocks will actually move higher because that's when the Republicans go into their protect gun rights mode and say, you better go get a gun now before the Democrats take it away from you. So gun sales actually go up. And it's not what you would think. In your head of heads, you're like, oh, what's happening here? Some children were murdered. Murdered. Um, these stocks should go down. Uh-uh. They go up. Counterintuitive. Um, of interesting note yesterday, I saw that Matthew McConaughey was from the town of Uvalde, which is 80% Latino. And I was just, I was like, wow, that gives some perspective on his background now. I'm not pro, I'm not against uh, McConaughey. I know you're saying, I thought you were going to say guns. No, I'm trying to keep this in my wheelhouse. 
So I've hit investing in home, buying a home, American dream, and cause bankruptcy. I've hit controlling debt, pay off debt over 8%. Mortgage debt and student debt is considered tax advantage. You never want to prepay your mortgage until you've consulted a financial planner or a public accountant to see if you have better uses elsewhere. I service my debt. Um, and then, for instance, I have a rental that is almost paid off. It's, it's about that 65 70% level now. I'll probably take money out of it and buy another rental and start servicing the debt of a new one. I don't know what wealthy people do. Um, saving for college. There are 529 plans. This is not rocket science, but now you're not only saving for yourself. You're not only saving for a house. You're not only saving for a vacation, but you're also saving for college. By starting early investing regularly, your children have, may have wider choices of colleges and paying the bill won't hurt as much. There's something called 529 plans. There's a really good website called savingforcollege.com. It's a universal site. It's not bought and paid for by Fidelity or bought and paid for by your local university. The most confusing thing about saving for college is you can do it in a 529 plan. And every state has their own. It's one of those state governors and lieutenant governors and secretaries of state said, let's do our own. And we didn't have to do that, but we did. And that confuses parents because you're like, well, my kid lives in California. What if, why am I getting a Utah 529 plan? Rob has a Utah 529 plan because the costs are cheaper than California. And you don't have to use the state 529 plan. Doesn't have to go to a state university in that state. There's no pluses or minuses. It's just the freaking fracking name on the wall. You buy a car from Utah, you can drive in California. You buy a car from California, you can drive in Utah. Same idea with 529 plans. I only recommend saving for a 529 plan after you've maxed out your 401k. I like stocks and real estate over time. I don't just buy one. I've got money in private real estate that I own. I also have money in publicly traded REITs, R-E-I-T-S, real estate investment trusts, which a REIT is a publicly traded company. Often, some can be a private REIT. I do not recommend private REITs. There was a guy who used to have a show on this station who made a ton of money in commissions by recommending in private REITs. And private REITs are a lot more risk than a public REIT. A public REIT has to submit their financials to a regulator. A private REIT does not. And a private REIT pays a ton of money to salespeople who um, people like Ray Lucia get kickbacks from. I'm not knocking Ray Lucia. He's okay. Ultimately, the United States government said he wasn't good for you. And I approve that because I think he was too risky. I think he was uh, too much hype. He was also running a brokerage as well as financial planning firm. So he would get money every time you bought and sold. Like it's, it's bad it's not allowed for a reason. And even if you set up these companies in your kid's name, still not allowed. So saving for college is savingforcollege.com. Assets that I like, stocks, bonds, and REITs. Um, when I say bonds, I'm not ready for bonds until I hit 60. You may say I love them. I may go, nope. I look at wealth in two ways. There's wealth accumulation and wealth management. 
at some point in time, you want to hire someone like a CPA and a CFP. I have a CFP and a CPA. I did not have both until three or four years ago. But the CFP helps me with a lot of things that I'm not good at. CPA helps me with things like tax returns that I'm not great at. I'm great at accumulating wealth. And very soon, you know, you have to decide after you get wealth on where do you want it to go if you die? I know you have to think of yourself dying. Some people don't like that. Buying a car is an experience. It's a lifetime thing. You know, how very first thing I said was you're going to have things that you want to save money for. Um, things that are really simple to prioritize, kids, college, house, retirement. I forgot to say car. Um, I've got a Toyota truck. I'm going to drive until I was 200,000 miles on it. It may be my last vehicle if I continue to drive less. My spouse has an electric vehicle. Um, I'm finding myself using her electric vehicle a lot more than my truck because it gets better gas mileage. Um, or what do you call charges, charge per mile. And because I have solar, I'm actually getting my, my miles driven all summer long for free in large part because I'm using less energy. I'm creating more and just charging my car off that extra free solar. Now, again, there's a cost of solar, $45,000 to install a system, right? That will give you basically energy for free half the year if you design it correctly. Um, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. There's a couple other things you need to learn about health insurance, home insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, but that's about it. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Earnings season did not save the stock market. The stock market is dealing with a lot of boogeymen right now, inflation, the Federal Reserve, an overheated economy, uh, job market that's problematic. Lots going on. I start my day each and every day with Patrick O'Hare. His page one column, the only day I don't read it is the day that he comes on the air and he talks to us about what's going on. And then I read it while he's talking. Uh, Mr. O'Hare, the the sell-off continues. And we seem to get some bear market rallies here and there. Maybe some bottoming is happening. You can never really tell when it's happening, but in hindsight, we'll know. Uh, what are you seeing in the markets these days? Yeah, good morning, Rob. It's good to be back with you. Um, you know, seeing in, what I'm seeing in the market today is, and in more recent days, is sort of a um, a willingness or a hope um, that uh, we're due for a bounce. We've obviously sold off sharply since the start of the year. Had a really ugly start. Um, you know, to the month and certainly in the quarter here. And uh, we're getting, you know, we're starting to hear a little bit more now uh, from companies and seeing in the data that, you know, that things might be slowing, you know. Um, that's not altogether surprising. It was pretty much presaged by the performance of the stock market itself as well as the behavior of the Treasury market. But now that we're actually hearing the news, you're not seeing the same type of, uh, you know, violently negative response that you might think you would see. And we think that that has a lot to do with the idea that uh, the sharp selling we've seen to this point uh, was already, you know, attempting to discount uh, the the news that is now coming to the forefront here. And so, so there's a little bit of a um, kind of a 
you know, sell the rumor, buy the news type of mentality that's creeping back in here and why we're seeing the market hang in a little bit better than one might expect. Uh, and, of course, we have some uh, – we we're approaching the month end here, and there's there's been some chatter that um, – uh, that there's going to be rebalancing activity that does, in fact, favor stocks here as we move into month end, and so that's kind of hoping to uh, helping to hold things up. One of the things that caught my attention from what you just said was things aren't getting worse. If you take a look at a chart on a one-year basis or maybe on a three-month basis, we're seeing some sideways action. Things aren't getting worse. Things aren't getting a lot better. Sideways is not always down, is a phrase on Wall Street. What do you make of? Um, you know, kind of a grind sideways is a positive thing or a negative thing. Um, healthy long-term, uh, short-term, mentally great, not gratifying, uh, grading on the mind, so to speak. Yeah. Thoughts? Well, it, it, it is kind of a, a you know, a, a grading type of thing, right? You know, it's yep. like you're sitting there, it's almost like watching a horror movie and uh, you hope something's not going to be a jump scare. Right. But, you know, in the back of your mind that there's a real prospect of some type of jump scare out there. So you kind of sit there watching nervously and and you hope it doesn't happen. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now at the market. Right. It's 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 hoping to avoid another jump scare. And it's it's being a little bit more deliberate, though, uh, in terms of the rebound effort, because, uh, you know, we think that while. You know, while the market has certainly seen some considerable multiple compression, uh, it's been all price-driven to this point. And what I'm driving at is that we haven't seen any uh, reduction in earnings estimates yet, uh, which is really surprising. I know part of it is related to the, the, you know, the huge momentum underlying the energy sector earnings right now. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it, it's a bit off-putting, you know, that you're seeing analysts, you know, stick to – not only, you know, maybe their current estimates, but actually raising estimates. Um, you know, the forward 12-month earnings estimate for the S&P 500 has, has increased since last week, and it's gone up since the start of the year, you know, despite everything you and I talk about, you know, each week related to rising interest rates, uh, fear of aggressive Fed policy, you know, China locking things down, uh, the war in Ukraine just getting bogged down and not looking like there's going to be an easy solution there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, you have a Federal Reserve that is saying that they're point blank saying, look, we need to weaken demand to get inflation under control. And if you're going to weaken demand, you're not going to see, you know, uh, sales be as strong as they would be otherwise. And uh, first, you know, for some surprising reasons, you know, analysts have yet to really uh, um, connect those dots and, and cut their earnings estimates. So, so a little bit of the, you know, that jump scare factor that could be, you know, lurking out there that I'm talking about is, is perhaps a, a, you know, an eventual reckoning where earnings estimates do come down sharply. And, and, and if that's the case, you know, a market that looks reasonably valued here at about 16.7 times forward 12-month earnings – uh, might not be so reasonably valued if you get that cut to earnings estimate. So it's just a, you know, you kind of have this push and pull right now as to, you know, uh, in, I think market participants trying to ascertain whether the market is in fact reasonably valued or if it's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, in a period right now where it's, it's you know, maybe going to enjoy a tactical rally effort, but ultimately hit a wall of fundamental resistance as earnings estimates get cut. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things I like to try to remind people of during these times, sir, is something along the lines of it's kind of usually historically normal for it to be a six to 18 month period of transition. Um, December 31, 2021, things were wonderful. Kind of January 1st, 2022, things started going bad. So we're about five months in. Into my theory of somewhere between six to 18 months, it plays out. The bad news is starting to turn into good news. Last year, we only had good news, and good news ultimately leads to bad news. What's your thoughts on the, the cycle idea of this and how to write it out, knowing that a timeline historically is not going to be accurate, but it's certainly a good uh, place to start thinking about? Right, yeah, it's a really good observation, too. And I think, like, when you're in a period like this, um, you know, everyone's, you know, trying to find a bottom, you know, uh, there are people that are trying to call the bottom and, and, you know, it's kind of a fool's game trying to do that. And, but when you see, you know, leading companies like these industry stalwarts, you know, get marked down as significantly as they have been, I think what we're, what you do in terms of riding out, you know, that, that period of where you might, you know, maybe slip into a recession or see a, uh, you know, contractionary earnings environment, you know, it, it becomes at this juncture uh, what we refer to as kind of an accumulation phase, right? That means that, you know, if you have cash uh, that you're able to invest, it's not an all-in proposition here, right? Because there could be further downside here. And as I alluded to previously, we still haven't seen that cut to earnings estimates, which briefly.com firmly believes is going to happen as we move through the year. But, um, but you can still, you know, start to dip your toes into the water here, given the sharp discounts we've seen off of the prior highs in, in most stocks and certainly many of the industry leaders. And so, uh, so this is the point where, you, you know, the dollar cost averaging, you know, will pay off in the end because, you know, while you talk about, you know, the, the 16 to 18 month sort of norm for these down cycles, um, your, your bull market cycles are always, you know, much longer, right? And they're certainly much more enjoyable. Um, so it's kind of it's painful here because, you know, in the early phases of, of a bear market, the adjustment tends to happen pretty abruptly. And uh, and then you get stuck maybe with some lateral consolidation for a good bit of, di- good bit of time as these buy-the-dip efforts keep getting beaten back because they keep running into that fundamental wall of resistance, which in this case will be earnings estimates that just don't live up to expectations. And so you need to kind of get to a uh, – to a uh, uh, a more even ground here where, uh, you know, stocks have run out ahead of those cuts to earnings estimates. So ironically, when you actually see them happen, that could potentially be a good thing because uh, if stocks don't react then to the actual cuts and earnings estimates, it would be more of a validation factor that suggests that that bad news had been priced in already and that they're primed to then start to, you know, move higher as the perspective then changes to, uh, you know, uh, better days ahead and, and better earnings growth ahead. Uh, we're not there yet, though, so we do expect continued volatility. But uh, wouldn't surprise us in the least, though, if we saw a you know a nice tactical rebound effort off of these lows that have been registered earlier in the month. It's interesting that you're looking at earnings because I'm looking at job layoffs as my sign. I want to see more job layoffs, mm-hmm. and it sounds crazy, but I want to hear eBay and Zillow and Pandora and websites like heavy.com you're like who's heavy.com or novellus or i want to see clear channel or sun media Um, i want to see a company go bankrupt or two 
Um, anything else? We got about one and a half minutes. Anything that you want to hit that you uh, think is important right now, sir? Sure. Um, what I think you know what you're what you're driving at, Rob, is it's it's you know the unfortunate counterintuitive logic of the stock market. You know when things yeah. things are bad, they become good, right? And unfortunately, you know as far as trying to weaken demand that, you know, will likely ultimately lead to more job losses. But if the main boogeyman right now for the market is inflation and the Fed's inability to tackle it, you need to see some indications that inflation is going to come down on its own and also be helped along by the Fed rate hikes. And so uh, so I agree with what you're talking about. And the other thing is that it looks like the Treasury market is starting to believe or see a shift in potential rate hike expectations as well. So the two-year note yield uh, has come down quite appreciably. It's trading around 2.5% right now. And we think it's starting to price in uh, the Fed not being as aggressive as the market thought it might be uh, just a few weeks ago. Interesting. You're the best. I really mean that. Um, I start my day each and every day. And when I retire, I'm going to send you a big bottle of champagne because I think I'm going to retire before you are. <laughs> and I would drink that bottle of champagne, Rob. <laughs> uh, let's get, uh, I'll send you an email today because I want to get something to you soon. Um, it's Patrick O'Hare. He's with briefing.com. That does not mean that I'm retiring. Um, I just think he's really good at what he does. And I think he helps a lot of people here every Wednesday and his briefing.com commentary on page one. Um, he's looking at mega caps. He's looking at COVID cases. He's looking at Russia and much, much more. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.